So it may feel sort of funny this summer uh, because we'll be, uh, it'll feel like we're jumping around a lot because we will be. Uh, You all have given me underlinings, things from books, movies, songs, and scripture, which is also a book. And um, and, uh, you shared them with me. Some of you have shared multiple times. And uh, I'm sorry you get one. (laughs) And some of you have shared just one thing. And you may not even be in the group. So we'll see as we go through. I haven't picked all the stuff yet for August. So please, if you have... Uh, anything else you want to send in, do it this week, because I will be putting together the rest of the summer. In the fall, we'll be looking at um, just some of the confessions of our church and look at those as we build into um, being together this fall. So uh, the first underlining is mine. I thought that was the easiest one to prepare for. And it's, um, there's two things in it. One is there's a movie Uh, line, and you'll see a a little video clip of it. And then there's also um, a scriptural context. They go together. And I've probably used this with you in different leadership settings uh, so far, but I I want to talk about it at length this morning just a little bit. Um, Exodus chapter 14, verses um, 10 to 15. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? I just think that is such a remarkable line. Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here? Just talk about a cynical, sarcastic group that Moses is working with. What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, be still. Other versions of it would say stand firm. But be still and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. In other words, get moving, Moses. What are you doing standing still? And it's such a remarkable moment. And uh, I want you to see from uh, the Lord of the Rings a little clip of uh, Sam and Frodo as they're getting ready to embark on their journey. This is it. This is what? If I take one more step, it'll be the farthest away from home I've ever been. Come on, Sam. (laughs) 
Remember what Bilbo used to say. It's a dangerous business, Frodo. Going out your door, you step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. Joseph Campbell's uh, books about um, epics and mythology and those kinds of things. He wrote them years ago called um, A Hero Has a Thousand Faces. Uh, it was called The Hero's Journey. And in it, he talks about the stages of all epic myths, like the Odyssey and all the different great big stories that the world has produced in its different religions and different cultures. And he talks about the similarities that they all have. And he compares them all and talks about uh, the, the things that are foundational to these epic stories. Tolkien had hoped to write one of those epic stories for his beloved England. That's what the Lord of the Rings is. It's an epic myth that takes in the story of humanity and puts it in this remarkable story of Middle-earth with hobbits and wizards and other things. And of course, in it, Tolkien is, is relying upon his own sense of the way the world is and supposed to be for the issues of virtue and things like that in theirs. Who would ever have thought of a hobbit as a, sort of how heroes are made throughout all the great epic stories of the world? At the beginning of all epic myths, there is a moment, there is a threshold that happens. It's that moment where you are hesitant to go forward, but you can't go back. Sam with Frodo, if I take one more step, it's further than I've ever gone in my life. If I take one more step, and I love the way Jackson portrays it in the film, he's got the corn has been cut, in the back, and then the corn stalks before him, the green is there. And that's where Sam stops. If I take one more step, if I walk into the tall grass, if I walk into the corn stalks. Frodo, tongue-in-cheek, encourages Sam, uh, Sam with Uncle Bilbo's words. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. That's the moment in Exodus that we encounter with God's people, with Moses. The Red Sea is before them and the Egyptian army is behind them. And you know what happens in the rest of the story. But this is the moment, this is the threshold for Israel. This is that place where they can't go back even though they plead with Moses. But they have no idea what lies ahead. And they have to make a choice to move. The Exodus as a big story is the primary central story of all of scripture. 
If there's one story that gets repeated over and over and over again in Old and New Testaments, it's the story of the Exodus. It's the iconic story. It's the story that gives us a little bit of an idea of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes. It's one of those stories that just talks about what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be God's people? And, and Israel in the Old Testament and, and the church in the New Testament keep pulling Old Testament stories, this story, up into the present. Why? Because the story is all about the identity of God's people. The Exodus story is about what's really at the root and heart of who they are. Who they are becoming, who they've been. It's central to how they understand not only who they are, but whose they are. You've heard that phrase before in this church, and not by me. Think about it. This is what's caught up in the story. Captives are set free. Rebellious nature of humanity is revealed over a 40-year travel, in spite of which God still doesn't abandon these people. They are God-fed, they are God-watered, they are God-led, they are God-delivered, and they are God-accompanied throughout the whole Exodus experience. God defends them. God hears their complaint. God bears with them when they build idols and worship them. When they abandon him. And God never turns away. They needed 40 years to get to know and to trust their God. 40 in the wilderness. A God that after living in Egypt for centuries, they'd forgotten. This isn't just about 40 years. This is their history. They had come close to having their own faith extinguished in captivity. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time for God's people. This threshold before the sea with the army behind them. It's their living out of Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. They're living out what it means to be God's people. This identity is going to be brought up again and again and again, all the way to the Holocaust and beyond. Like Sam, they're stopped in their tracks. And Moses says this, all you have to do is to be still. Stop your talking, stop your walking, stop your complaining, stop your work, and be still. And you will see the glory of God. But you've got to be still. Think about it. I, I, I know that when I go hiking, I know that when I ride my bicycle 
on the roads and the highways and stuff, I know that I, if I am looking up too much, that, I, that I'm going to hit something in the road. The only way that I can look up is that I have to stop. I have to be still. I'll step on a rock, I'll hit that little uh, line on the highway, and, and it could prove to be disastrous if I'm riding my bike. But it's when I'm still that I can look up. Isn't that amazing? You can't hear if you don't stop talking. If you're looking down all the time, you can't look up. So be still, says Moses. And then without a beat, God says, what are you doing standing still? Get on with it. Get going. This time with God, this time of being still, isn't the point. It's simply part of the journey. It's not the destination. I sometimes think people feel as though they could, if they could just capture that feeling of being enraptured or or at peace or, or that little glimpse of peacefulness that you get every now and then that God gives you that somehow if you could just hold on to that things would be okay and I think God says that's not the point it's not to hold on to me it's to follow me and I'll hold on to you the goal is the journey The journey is about trusting God, trusting leadership like Moses. It's all about who you're with. It's absorbing the lessons of the desert and making them part of your life. I started church, was one of, uh, we were one of a handful of families or about six families that began Tribuco Presbyterian Church. And it was a remarkable um, experience. We worshiped in seven locations in two and a half years. Um, If you think it's hard to figure out if, if we change worship times, all you have to do is just keep moving and see if people can find you. The amazing thing in that two and a half years, we worshiped outside a lot and indoors and all kinds of places. And um, people found us. We tried as we could to let people know, but, but each spot we moved to, we grew as a congregation, which was quite astonishing to me. Growth would have meant from 20 to 25, by the way. Just want you to know, it wasn't like hundreds and thousands of people, but it was, we just could see it, that people would find us and do that. If you were to ask the people who started in those early years, what story in scripture they related to the most, they will say without a doubt, the Exodus wilderness wanderings. Because they felt nomadic. They felt like they just moved from place to place to place to place. And they could see in that story their own experience. That's what we mean by a story being iconic. The scripture is iconic for the people of Tribuco. 
that early foundational group. And though people who come to that church today know nothing about it and never experience it, they've got a sanctuary in place and facility buildings, all that stuff. They've got all those things. But their history, at the heart of who they were, was they, dis- they were part of something and God said, I'll go before you. And they crossed a threshold to do it. Knowing they couldn't go back, once they started, they had to keep going. And they didn't know what it would be like. They didn't know the demands. Many of them, after our first capital campaign, will tell you they, didn't, they hadn't anticipated that um, when we asked them for a whole bunch of money to build a whole bunch of stuff. They didn't think it would come to that. But we as a church, we as a people of God, we're at a threshold. We're at a threshold and we need a rhythm for the journey to go forward. And I would put before you today that what we all need to practice as a people, as a church, a congregation, as small groups, as session, as deacons, is a rhythm of being still and still moving. That we've got to figure out this back and forth between being still and looking up and then heeding God's call that says as soon as we can see to get going towards what we can see. What he's told us. What God's communicating to us. Your leaders have been trying to learn this by not just being about the business of the church. Not just being about how quickly can we get the next pastor in. Your leadership has been trying to pay attention and there's nothing to put in a newsletter about it. There's nothing to communicate about it. But we're asking you to trust as the people of Israel trusted going up when Moses was up on that mountain too long, that it's okay. When it seems like nothing's happening, rest assured, lots is going on. But we're practicing a rhythm of being still and still moving. And it's not easy. Most of us want to rush ahead most of us have an idea of what should happen. Most of us have an idea of what the next, next pastor should be like. And not one person in this room knows what it is. We all have ideas. But the next person who's going to be pastor of this church, you can't imagine. Because they'll be different than what you have in mind. Because we're going to seek what God wants. And we need to be still so we can hear the voice say, get up and get going. And here's the direction. We're at a threshold of needing to trust God and those around us to lead and to accompany in the journey. We asked you this last week, you can put that up, next slide. We've asked you three questions that the leaders of the church have responded to, and we put it out in in, uh, 
uh, an email to you. And today on your pews, there are some uh, uh, cards at one end and some writing utensils. And I'm going to ask you to take a little bit of time. And I want you to, if you haven't had a chance to email to us, or even if you've had, if you have um, other thoughts, to write them down. I'm going to ask you to, to, to think of the three questions we've been asking ourselves. We were still for a, a weekend with each other and spending time uh, caring for one another, hearing what it meant to care for this church. And we want you to uh, pay attention to these three questions. So if you would this morning... Answer the first question, why did you come to Placentia Presbyterian Church? Think back to the very beginning. What prompted you to come? What was behind it? Don't just write, we were looking for a good church, okay? That's great, but that's not why you came here. That's not what you were looking for. Why did you come to Placentia Presbyterian Church? And then... When you've written that down, then I want you to ask these next two questions. What did you find here? What was here when you came? What did you find here? And then why did you stay? Those in this room, here you are. Those online that are watching, here you are. If you're online watching, take out a piece of paper Write them down. Send them to us here at the church. Because in the answer to these questions is our Exodus story. In these questions, there is a kernel of truth about who we are and whose we are. So I'm going to let you take a moment and answer these three questions. When you've answered them, if you're able to, come and just put them up here in this little basket. And we'll resume worship, or we'll continue to worship during this time. But we'll be quiet. We'll be still. We won't have music behind us.